0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast this Friday. Today, we're going to be discussing Monday's interview with Dr. Peter Kerr on communication and leadership early in a young professional's career. And joining me back in the studio to discuss that interview are my friends and fellow leaders, Elijah Friedman and Thomas Tubby. I wanted to take a second to remind our listeners of the free giveaway we're doing of Dr. Peter Kerr's book, Adam Meets Eve, Foundations of Love to Last a Lifetime. If you would like to be entered to win a copy of this book, we're going to be doing the drawing next Friday, go ahead and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever else, and... Take a screenshot of that review and send it to community at lifeasleadership.com and you'll be entered to win that book. Let's go ahead and turn to the interview. What did y'all think of what we heard from Dr. Peter Kerr on Monday?
1: There's a lot of good insight he had and it covered a lot of different things. A common theme that kept popping up for me was the importance of disciplining yourself in order to be an effective leader
0: disciplining yourself to be an effective leader. What were some of the things that stuck out to you about that?
1: Well, he started talking, It's especially towards, I think, the second half of the interview. He talked a lot about the importance of denying yourself, of discipline being key in order to having a life that matters. Uh, he had a definition of, of discipline that's denying yourself in the present for future gain. Yeah. And, and that that seemed to come through, even when he didn't talk about it, just the intentionality of leadership and what it requires Will require a lot of discipline.
0: Yeah. Especially as we're getting started off, right? That's exactly right. How about you, Tubby?
1: I like
2: the, a lot of the practical advice he had throughout the podcast. It it wasn't just really big abstract concept ideas. It was like he would go into delegation, then he'd give you like these tips for delegation. One thing I thought about with uh, triangulation, specifically the concept that he brought up, the ABCs of communication accurate, brief, and clear. Yeah. You know, just, just things like that that were very much, Cut and dry like one two three, this is how these are steps to take and not that these are the end all be all things, but the just you know practical tips because I think that's kind of what we're trying to get to with this podcast sort of things that I can take away and, and apply to my daily life yeah
0: yeah and I, and I imagine that we're going to be getting back to that a little bit more later on in our discussion. One of the things I wanted to start off with today is Elijah, you had talked about delegation. Peter had talked about the importance of giving other people responsibilities, and sometimes even being in the background, operating in the background, focusing on the things that are most important for the outputs for your organization. And I'm I'm wondering how important it is for leaders to have a public presence. And if so, how do you balance being in the background and doing the most important activities, but also still having some sort of presence in the organization and maybe out in front of people who Aren't part of the organization at all.
1: I like the metaphor or the example he used of you don't have to be leading the army into battle in the front lines, but if you're standing back behind, you can strategically make decisions. and And I imagine if that's your mode of leadership. Then your presence is felt, but it's felt when it matters most, which is in the moment of crisis, in the moment where something's gone wrong. He, He also discussed the idea that the only person who's not within a silo in an organization is the leader. And so you're able to transcend necessarily having to be there in the day to day, but your presence can be there when it actually matters, which is when there's a tough decision to be made, when there's a problem that's occurred. And I, that's not how I typically view leadership. I, I, I do think there's a really important aspect of being physically present, making yourself known in the day to day. But yeah. but some of it too is the, is the level of leadership I'm at doesn't doesn't really even allow me to to step in strategically. And so what he what he's saying is really helpful because it makes me think at a at a new level of leadership from where I'm at right now.
2: And I think another important concept that he kind of discussed is uh, you don't want to be a micromanager as well, and that's where delegation comes in. Because um, when you are and what he brought up was like micromanaging. And sometimes you you don't allow somebody to fail and that there's no growth in that if the person's not being allowed to fail. And, um, so as a leader, it, it almost takes a little bit of humility to allow people who are under you to fail And it kind of come back on you because you do take the flack as a leader as well.
0: And I I do like that idea of how organizations are comprised of different silos and it's important for the leader to be above and beyond those so he or she can see what's happening and so that leaders know when to insert themselves into different areas and know kind of how to direct the organization. Another thing that, that Peter talked about was the importance of having the right tools. And part of that is what you've been trained to do, whether it's from a degree that you've gotten in college or a master's degree, but sometimes we have to seek out those tools as well. Have there been things that you can think of from your own lives that have really helped you to retool and add new skills and insights to your metaphorical leadership toolbox?
2: For me, um, when I was going through college, I had the opportunity to have a leadership role as a a resident assistant within a, within a dorm. And I had, you know, a floor of people that I was over and I reported to the resident director that was over the dorm. And then we had, you know, like big meetings like that. And it was, it was an interesting opportunity because you, you are leading a group of people within a hall. Like you, you were kind of creating the vision and the mission. He talked a lot about vision and mission statements and you're kind of creating the vision and mission statement for that floor how you want the community to be on that floor. So that was an interesting experience for me because I never really had a role like that before, like leading a group of people and kind of being the visionary behind it. Like this is what I want to see the community on this floor becoming.
0: So going, going to that, how much success did you have in actually being able to develop the culture and the community that you were seeking to make there?
2: Some days were really good and some days weren't is what it came down to. And it was a day-by-day thing because with – with community let's for for me specifically it's different for different people, but I had probably around thirty people that I was over on that floor yeah and it's it 's not realistic to say that I had a deep conversation with all thirty of those people every day, sure, but I did my best to be available at all times for whoever needed me, like you know within within reason, you had to create boundaries, but it's it really is to me it's being an example for the people on the floor, so if i 'm not doing my best to be responsible, taking care of my business. I basically have to set a good example for the residents in order for the community to be built. So I have to be willing to go talk to people maybe that were a little bit more introverted than others or who seemed not as, who weren't as outgoing as others. And if people saw me trying to communicate with everybody,
0: maybe that would inherently
2: create community in that aspect. So being an example really is what it came down
0: to. And part of the reason I ask is because sometimes we learn a whole lot of really good lessons when things go well, but some of the best lessons that we learn are when things go differently than we expect them to go. And I think that's a really good lesson to learn and kind of goes to something that that Peter was saying, which is we often learn best from rebukes. And they don't feel good. And when things go wrong, that's not necessarily a rebuke. That's not someone saying something to us, but it definitely feels like it. And when, when we have those slaps in the face when people don't respond, how we expect them to respond or things don't go how we expect them to go, we can learn some of our most effective and memorable lessons in life. How about you, Elijah? Any, any, any retooling experiences that have helped you in your leadership?
1: One thing I continually go back to is, I'm not sure if I'm even retooling at this point in my life. I think I'm tooling for the first time. Whatever, whatever my toolbox is of leadership. I feel like, like tooling should not be yeah. the, the <laughs> i I'm still purchasing my, my tools of leadership at this point. <laughs> Uh, but but still, still trying to figure that out, and, and a lot of what I do is I go to leaders who've gone before me and ask a lot of questions. and yeah. I have I have lots and lots of leaders I'm constantly going to, and usually it's not huge questions, but just texting a question or giving a quick phone call. That's been the best way for me. And the other way, of course, is reading. Just constantly trying to. I picked up a book at a used bookstore the other day. I was reading today, trying to get get a few more nuggets, a few more ideas of how to how to raise up other leaders. So for me, those those are my go tos is, is conversations with leaders and books and then like like you guys have discussed already those those experiences whether good or bad of of learning from those and yeah still buying those tools still trying to fill up that toolbox right now and maybe at some point I'll retool when I when I get a few more tools there <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so i often ask this to people at the end of each interview but as far as books go, have there been some that really stick out to you that you've read over the last year or two that have helped you either thinking about leadership or just have given you practical tools, even if they're not about leadership, that you've been able to apply to leadership roles?
1: One I just got done listening to is Atomic Habits. The name of the author is escaping right now, but if you look it up, it's all over the place. Lots of people talk about it. It's it's not focused on leadership, but it is the habits you build into your life and, and, and Peter talked about that a good bit as well. Some of the, some of what you do now affects the future and, and it's a really helpful book. Very punchy, very short, very practical about how to get those right habits Some strategies for it.
2: That was one of my favorite parts of the podcast, which you brought up about the self discipline versus self leadership and how they're kind of intertwined. And like you said, like those things that we do now affect what happens in the future. That was one of my favorite parts. It actually made me think of a very simple concept that kind of came to my mind. I remember my senior year in, at, in college, I was just i was thinking about habit forming like what it looks like and like you know you got to start somewhere and for me it was very simple and actually very stupid every time i took my shoes off i left them tied like i wouldn't untie them i just slipped them off and i found in the mornings i couldn't slip them back on so i i I took an extra 30 seconds in the morning to untie my shoes have to put them back on then tie them up again and it was a very simple thing but like if i was late that affected me, you know, that 30 seconds was really precious. So I started, I formed a habit. I was like, I had made myself say, all right, I'm going to help out future Thomas. I'm going to untie these (laughs) shoes. And in the morning, it's going to be a lot easier. And eventually the habit stuck, you know, and it's something really simple. It's a really simple concept, but it really does, I feel like, translate to our lives. We can, if we just take the time to see what, what in our lives needs, I guess fixing or what's causing a stress, you know, or even like not even that, maybe just trying to form a habit for leadership. Just taking the time to do it can really you can see lasting change, and it can be as simple as untying your shoes in the morning.
1: I love that example because it it really shows a mindset shift too. It's right you're thinking about the you're thinking about the future in a very small way, but thinking about how this is going to affect you tomorrow. Yes, and that's really what habits are is, is thinking about how what I'm doing now affects me tomorrow. So I'm, I might need to. Practice untying my shoes for. I love that
0: <laughs> I keep on going back to this every once in a while, but Greg Nance from episodes five and six, he talks about that next smallest step. How can you break down your goal or whatever you need to do into just that next smallest thing that you can do, and when we do that, all of a sudden, stuff that seems monumental to us becomes doable, which yes. is. Really helpful. Mm-hmm. So, Tubby, at the very beginning, you brought up the the ABCs of communication that that Peter talked about. He talked about the triangular relationship between accuracy, brevity, and clarity in communication. Is there one of those that you two feel more comfortable with? Like, if if you said I'm better at one of these than the other two, which would it be? For me, I don't know
2: that I'm necessarily better at one than the other. My focus is on accuracy, though, is what I would say. Not that I necessarily am a master of it, but I want to have as much knowledge about what I'm going to say before I have to say it. That sometimes yeah, I I do inherently hurt the brief portion of the communication because I so badly want to be accurate that that's my hyper focus. You know, it ends up taking way too long to explain what I'm trying to explain. Uh, that's one That's one thing I'd say I'd, I would struggle with is the brevity and maybe even clarity sometimes because i'm i just am so wanting to be accurate in what i'm saying
1: i think my challenge this is not what you asked but my challenge would be brevity in this i i often strive for clarity and so i'll try to recap or try to have very specific things but consequently i'm restating things and restating it and the brevity gets lost in the mix and it's inter- it was interesting to hear peter say all this because i actually had him as a professor in college for a number of communications classes he was, was one of my major professors in college so hearing this him apply these things in an interview like this stuff i heard all the time from him as a professor but it's fun to get refreshed on it because that's the sort of thing i don't think about a lot you hear it in a college classroom you think okay the triangulation accuracy brevity clarity okay i'll, I'll memorize that for the test and then now as a leader i think wow that's Actually, good. Like these things have application in real life. Yeah, this this is a really helpful concept, and so it was fun to hear it because I remember hearing this multiple classes, but now it actually means a lot more in this context. Yeah,
0: I would say that of the three, probably accuracy is the one that I'm best at or most focused on, and brevity is easy. But sometimes I don't feel like I can communicate what I need to communicate as briefly, and that's you know he said you can't do each one well when you're trying to do the other. To. You have to find that middle ground. Exactly. In between all three. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes I'll say things that I, I thought were very accurate, and they probably were, but they were not clear. You can just tell on people's faces. At a certain level, the the brevity can easily be lost, but it's important to remember that that's a very important part of communication.
2: And actually, I feel like that, that brings up the point, too, that he brought up at the, towards the beginning of his interview was expanding your vocabulary. He said it's important as a leader... To expand your vocabulary, but also to keep in mind that as you expand your vocabulary, you do have to be adaptable to your audience as well. Yeah. Um. So as you do learn and grow as a leader, you can't forget that there's people that might not be on the same level as you, and you got to adjust your communication style for that.
1: It was interesting hearing you asked you asked Peter at some point in the conversation. You've you've worked with a lot of young people in a college setting and other settings. What what are some what are some things you've noticed about them? And one of the things he said is young leaders often soft sell things and aren't direct. They head, they hedge what they're saying and aren't direct enough. And and he said this wasn't necessarily a weakness, but it would resort in different kind of leaders. Now, I was curious what you guys thought about that. Our generation, younger leaders, is it positive or is it more of a negative? Is it good or bad that we tend to hedge and not be direct in communication?
0: I would tend to think that if you're being less clear and less direct, it's generally not a good thing unless you're doing it for a good reason. And I think sometimes we are, but sometimes we... We just don't feel as confident maybe committing to certain things. It can be easy for us to not want to make someone else feel uncomfortable. And I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. Leaders need to have a strong vision and a strong idea of where they want to go. Always keeping that hand in hand with a respect for other people. But I don't think that lacking courage is the way to be a better leader in our day and age.
2: And I think you also have to be tactful in the way that you are direct you know because some people respond better to directness and being very you know upfront about how you feel and that sort of thing and your thoughts and some people respond better to maybe a little passive you know is a word that kind of has a negative connotation but some people do respond better to a little bit not as direct a little bit more passive personality so um it's it's kind of a hard line to walk i think like you know it's you you want to be as direct as you can. And I think kind of kind of to piggyback off of what Josh said, you want to be clear that as long as that's not being compromised with your directness or indirectness, I think that's what's important.
0: Well, I, I think also thinking about it from a marketing perspective, so often we are being marketed to and we don't necessarily even realize it. And I think that's, that's good marketing. You are reaching out to people with your message without them feeling forced upon and that's good but the question is can we come down to it where we say now this is time to make a decision I need you to do this I need you to be a part of the team or are we just kind of saying I hope they follow me I hope we're all on the same page there has to be some clarity in there and I I think that Teams and organizations want that and need that, even if it means that for some people in the organization or for some people on the team is going to feel uncomfortable. You have to, at the end of the day, come to a conclusion and say, are we all on the same page? It's really important.
1: And at some level, you just have to have the, the both the trust of other people around you and then the confidence in your own leadership to to speak with clarity and directly. Uh, understanding that you got you got to soften it with some people, and you have to you have to deal with that. But but hedging seems to cut against the ABCs, the accuracy, brevity, and clarity of communication, uh, at just about every level. How so? If if I'm hedging, I'm not being as accurate because I'm not really communicating uh, everything there is. I'm I'm hedging. I'm pulling back from it. I'm not being clear because I'm I'm skirting around the issue. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm usually not being brief because I'm adding in unnecessary redundant things to say to help you not feel pressured That's true. and so I, I don't think it's always bad but it does cut undercut that triangulation concept
0: so let's go ahead and talk about networking for a second there are a number of things that we could talk about here but how how good are you in networking and what have been some of your better experiences going about making new relationships with people is it through networking events is it person-to-person what have been some effective things for each of you
2: for me personally in this phase of my life I have a lot of friends and my wife has a lot of friends who've been getting married. And honestly, you meet a lot of people at weddings, like from all walks of life, from all phases of life. And I think it's just taking the time to really not get too personal. Kind of like, um, what Peter was saying, you don't want to go overly personal, but just personal enough where you find a connection with that person. And, uh, that's, that's what I found to be effective. like just taking the time to really introduce myself and ask questions for sure. That, that was important because I feel like so much when we hear the word network, we think, oh, I got to really tell people about how awesome I am and how what I can contribute and give them. And it's like, but why don't I just take the time to kind of take, take a step back and learn more about them? And what maybe that what they do, and I can like find the connection there. I really liked when Peter put it that way. Yeah.
1: But one thing I'm not sure if Peter mentioned when when he talked about taking students to these networking events. And one thing they do is have a competition to see who could get the most business cards. I forget if you mentioned that or not. But but in the course of doing that, one of those events he went to with the students. That's how he got hooked up with the Beijing Olympics, and actually got the opportunity to go wow. there. So it's really interesting that that. You know an exercise like that who can get the most business cards and connect with the most people if you do it right, which Gurr has done, then you can actually end up with getting quite a few opportunities out of it It's really cool i i I never think of myself as a good networker, but recently we ran into an issue with the the church I lead, and we needed some advice on it. And I started listing off people we could go to and realize I've actually across the last two years networked with a whole lot of people. And most of the time it's I hear of someone or meet someone and I just follow up with a text or phone call, ask to get together for lunch if they're local or if they're not, schedule a phone call and talk with them for a few minutes. And then I found out after I do that, I can come to them with any question or any time I need help. And they're always willing to help out.
0: Yeah, I really liked his recommendation of sending a book to someone. Mm -hmm. especially a relevant book that would help them out. The the name thing was also kind of neat. The idea of knowing enough names of people to where you can share with the person you're talking to about what their name means. It's it's a neat idea. I, I don't think... In those terms as much. So it was helpful for me to hear from him. Also, the other the other week I met this lady, we were listening to someone speak. And he mentioned his birthday on stage and made a joke about how no one sends him gifts. And she reached down into her bag and wrote a note about when his birthday was. And I imagine that when his birthday comes around next summer, she'll be sending him a gift. And that's going to keep her on his radar screen in a way that a lot of other people from that event are not going to be. And I thought that was a really smart idea. Just taking advantage of those in-the-moment opportunities that are handed to you from the people that you're talking to.
1: For sure, all it takes is being considerate, which which seems like it's incredibly hard to be. <laughs> <sometimes>. <laughs> For some people, yes,
2: and kind of just taking a little bit different direction, but still staying within the realm of networking. A pro tip that I got from somebody recently that I thought was cool: if you have an iPhone and you can go to your contacts and you can go to your own contact, and you know you can on your your own contact that you can share with other people, you can put your email. Um, like you can put a professional photo of yourself. And then put like your the business you're with, so that's a really helpful way for somebody to remember you. That like, let's say you're not in as formal a setting, like a networking position. Like I said, let's say I'm at a wedding and I meet somebody who I'm a connection with, and I'm like you know, would you mind if I send you my contact information so we can stay in touch? And they're like, yeah. So then you send them your picture so they see your face, they have your email, they know what company you're with, and it's really fast and practical. You know, that's I that was a yeah. really cool tip I got that I thought was
1: really cool. You know, I had someone do that with me a couple years ago, so I've started doing it now. Yeah. But they actually sent me every bit of information, had his, his home address, business address, his birthday was on there. So now I know his birthday every year. It pops up now on my phone, his birthday. I thought that's kind of a cool it's thing. It's a really get, cool thing. Yeah. Get extra birthday presents that way. I like
0: it. <laughs> So let's go ahead and turn to our key takeaways for the day. What would you say are the top one, two, or three things that are worth reiterating from Monday's interview with Peter Kerr?
1: His definition of leadership, which which we haven't really gotten much into, but he said leadership is being able to make a decision before the, there's an obvious answer. And so a key takeaway for me is that and also practice making decisions before I have all the information just in life. Uh, another thing is just be self-aware and be intentional, and that kept coming up. So those 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 things right there are key takeaways for me.
2: For me, being a lifelong learner, he said constantly learning. Um, is a big thing and whatever you're doing and i liked how he even made it not just about whatever profession you're in but like just life skills too like if you're uh if you're a father like constantly learning how to be a better father just being a very diligent learner yeah. in anything you're doing was one of my big key takeaways and then he talked a lot about too how leadership it needs to be a service mentality if you're in it for yourself then that's that's not really the best thing you should view your people that you are leading as almost like your children, almost, and like you are you are trying to help them grow. So it's yeah. very much a service oriented thing.
0: Yeah, and my first takeaway was similar to your first takeaway, which was to just constantly be growing, looking for those opportunities, whatever they may be. The next is to become someone who can deliver results and who can also put others first. He talked about the importance of as a leader being able to actually deliver on what people need, and then in the process putting others first instead of yourself. And finally, be a good gift giver in order to build relationships with other people. And that's going to help you as you are building your career and trying to become a more influential leader. Well, Elijah, Tubby, thanks for joining the show this week. It's
2: great to be here. Yes. Thanks for having
0: us. Thanks for joining the show this week. I hope you learned something new and feel more prepared to take leadership in your own life to the next level. If you found this content valuable and would like to help out the podcast, here are three things you can do. One, subscribe to the podcast so you'll get new episodes each week as they come out. Two, share this episode with someone you think could benefit from it. And three, give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. All three of these actions will help to make it easier for others to find us and join the community. You can never have too many good leaders, right? Until next time, keep living and leading well.